You're listening to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. This is episode 171. Thanks for your support via patreon.com and email transfer mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. We're live. few things to tell you about this week, some Halibut Council updates, Halibut Youth Council developments, some follow-up items from the community bands discussions we've been having over the last number of weeks, and a few other things. But the theme is renewal. It's that time of year. It's springtime. Our ancestors at this point in the year would be very happy at having got through another cold, hard winter, having survived the winter. Perhaps that's, uh, we can relate a little bit to that feeling uh, just about now. After uh, the year of living with a pandemic, many of you listeners uh, will have received your COVID vaccine by now, and probably that makes you feel a little bit different, a little bit hopeful that the worst is behind us. We have... uh, Of course, uh, in many parts of Mi'kmaq territory, you will be able to taste fresh crab and fresh lobster soon. Fisheries will be opening. And the full moon. The full moon at the end of this month in the Mi'kmaq language is known as Siuk Ewigus, or springtime or maple sugar time moon. It's a beautiful time, the best time of year. In that theme of renewal, we note that Halibut Council is meeting on March 27th at the the end of the month. Three more meetings only after this time, and already, as we've been hearing, election interest is heating up. As many as half of the 13 seats will have no incumbent, which means there'll be a new council member for half the seats, and um, so we're going to have a much different Halibut Council. If you're a candidate, please... Let us know at mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. We'd like to speak to you, introduce you to the Mi'kmaq Matters listeners, find out about what's important to you, why you're running, and, uh, and join the conversation about Halibut Council the next term and what you would change about Halibut Council. Before the Halibut election, there'll be another vote, and that will be for the Halibut Youth Council on March 28th. And uh, I see here that uh, there's an all-candidates discussion. Uh, Don't have the date for that uh, here. Uh, Registration to vote is March 21st, and uh, election day March 28th. Now, we've uh, talked a little bit about uh, the Youth Council here on Mi'kmaq Matters, and uh, to some extent... It's caused some upset uh, among some of the councillors. The youth council is status blind, and uh, not all councillors are, are down with that. They see that Halibut, first and foremost, must be for the members and uh, 
how are these youth expecting to uh, come here with direction from people who are not members of the Bank Council? So that's one issue that the Youth Council has had to deal with uh, from Halibut Council. They've also taken some uh, diversion issues from the majority of council. For example, on the Valentine Lake Gold Mine, a number, maybe a majority of members of the Youth Council are opposed to the Valentine Lake Gold Mine being built on the most environmentally sensitive area in central Newfoundland. Of course, we know that the main council is uh, mostly four square behind the Valentine Lake Gold Mine. So they've been uh, rocking the boat, uh, the youth, and this is a good thing because uh, as anyone who has uh, taken part in, um, in a Halibu uh, council meeting knows, it's uh, in need of some shakeup. Many of the councillors uh, are not engaged, we might say, trying to be delicate and respectful here. It looks like not everyone reads the briefing materials before they arrive at the council meeting and are there in the chair, but not more than that in many cases. And that's all I'll say about that. Uh, but we hear that among the Youth Council also, there is some, shall we say, uh, static complaints that uh, people who are not on the same view as uh, the leadership of the Youth Council are, are not being included. Uh, so some, some concerns about inclusivity of the Halibut Youth Council. And certainly we hope that they can work that out because the Youth Council is vital for Halibu and for Mi'kmaq people in Newfoundland. We need the Youth Council to push the boundaries as far as Halibu and uh, Mi'kmaq issues are concerned. Hopefully you can find a way to have a conversation. Obviously it's um, sometimes difficult when we have divergent opinions and we are very committed and very possessive of our point of view and sometimes uh, when there are people not of the same view, it's a more difficult conversation. But perhaps that makes it even more important when there are divergent points of view to talk about the idea, not the person, and contribute to, uh, to raising issues, asking the tough questions that need to be asked about Valentine Lake and many more things. For Eligible youth, once again, election day is March 28th. Register to vote March 21st. If it hasn't happened, stay tuned for the All Candidates Live Discussion Meet and Greet, which uh, we presume will be happening uh, online. The Youth Council elections are for seven positions, a youth co-rep. That position does have to be held by a member of Halibu, that is a status member, because potentially that person would have to represent the Youth Council at the Council meeting. The other six positions, status or non-status, and those positions are governance, finance and min, communications and social media, Western region, Central region, and diaspora. And this is interesting, diaspora. The Youth Council is mindful of the interests of Mi'kmaq people who live outside the Halibu wards and outside the province for that matter. So they are trying to keep the entire Mi'kmaq family connected. The Youth Council do that. Halibu Council itself does not. No provisions at all made for people outside the wards or outside of the province. So good on you Youth Council. Good luck in your elections and in the coming term.
Speaking of status-blind organizations changing Mi'kmaq life in Newfoundland, we have the community bands. Since the beginning of the year, we've profiled three chiefs at community bands. Elaine Ingram in Burgio, Rhonda Shepherd in St. George's, and last week, Peggy White at the new Three Rivers Mi'kmaq Band. We had a great response to our conversation with Peggy White, a lawyer who has worked with the Mi'kmaq in Nova Scotia, now back home on the island. Three Rivers has a vision of renewing community life for Mi'kmaq people and for everyone else because, as Peggy White says, Keeping Mi'kmaq life alive means giving people a way to live in the small towns in Newfoundland where Mi'kmaq life is the history of those places. Here's a clip from our conversation with Peggy White. Every community is unique, and our community is a significant seniors population. Um, We've had a lot of decline in our population, um, over half in the last 30 years, Um, and we have a high uh, poverty Um, So we want to do something different. We want to become a completely sustainable organization that looks after the people in our community. And and it's so important that um, we become self-sustained, you know, um, so we can we we don't have to wait to see if organizations and government can look after us. We really want to look after ourselves. And in that regard, uh, It's interesting you're looking at your activities uh, for the first year because, among other things, you've started the trading post. And uh, tell us about the trading post. So when we first got here, uh, when we first formed, of course, COVID started. And um, I applied and received funding um, from Indigenous Service for Urban Indigenous People. So we used that funding and we started with food hampers uh, for um, uh, seniors and and people who really needed help. We uh, went from the hampers, and we knew that you know the money only lasts so long. So um, one of the stores in Robinson's, well, the store in Robinson had been shuttered for a couple of years. So um, we leased the store, and it's one hundred percent not for profit. So every cent that the store and gas bar makes also goes one hundred percent back into the community, and it also. You know, um, it's jobs, it's, uh, um, you know, revitalizing an area that was starting to decline. So it it made a huge difference for the people, all the people in our communities. And um, it allows us to, you know, uh, work towards a sustainable food program for the community. Another thing we talked about with Peggy White was what relationship community bands like hers could have with Halibu. The community bands want a relationship, but there's been no sit-down, no summit between the community bands and the Halibu band located in Cornerbrook, far away from towns where Mi'kmaq people live and where the community band is closer, more relevant, and actually doing the work that needs to be done to support Mi'kmaq people. The food drive, culture, but no relationship. You know, it comes to my mind that we could have a, uh, a staff person from the band designated to assist with grant applications, leveraging funding from government sources. Perhaps there is a funding relationship direct from Halibut 
to some of those organizations. Details to be sorted out, but there's been no conversation. And it's strange that it's such a an obvious vital relationship that needs to be developed that there hasn't been such a, uh, a consideration of, of how that might work. Hopefully some of the candidates in the upcoming Halibut election will have some thoughts on that. And it could be maybe some of the chiefs or some people active in the community bands will run for Halibu Council. That would be a good way to have a link. Certainly the chiefs of the community bands we've interviewed have one thing in common. They are all three women. Not so around the Halibu Council table. One of 13 members of Halibu Council is a woman. That's Odell Pike, the councillor from Stephenville. And Odell Pike tells Mi'kmaq Matters she might not even run for the next term. She, she says she'll decide in late summer, September. So obviously, Halibu has a gender problem, and we have qualified active women out there who uh, would be great additions to Halibu Council. So uh, perhaps we'll see uh, some, uh, some women active in the community bands come forward and uh, sit on the new term of Halibu Council. That would be a great way to to close that gap between what's happening on the ground in the community bands and what's happening in Halibu HQ far away in Cornerbrook. There may be some good news for community bands in the so-called strategic plan just put out by Halibu. I say so-called because there's not much strategy in this skimpy 10-page document. It's basically a reiteration of things already promised and not delivered, kind of a wish list. We see, for example, under objectives, build an urban reserve often promised, but no sign. Apparently, as we've discussed, the feds don't want to give Halibut an urban reserve because it's a landless band, and landless bands, according to the feds, can't have urban reserves. The chances of getting an urban reserve, uncertain, previously promised, not delivered. We see mention to a communications plan. At the start of the council, Odell Pike and Ivan White Jr. were designated to put together a communications plan, but still, that's on the wish list. And of course, always the food, social, and ceremonial fishing license promised once again in this strategic plan. We note that Murray Duffy is in court in Stephenville in April and May for fishing some codfish uh, in the absence of a food, social, and ceremonial fishing license or any other arrangement for fishing rights between Halibut members and the federal government. So, uh, a very thin document. Apparently, there were some issues between Halibu and its consultant. This was a, uh, a long ordeal trying to get this thing cranked out, and it looks like they just gave up and said, we'll put out something, and here's what we have, this, this so-called strategic plan. Well, there is a reference under community development in this so-called strategic plan to Halibu initiating and or supporting projects throughout communities that are focused on culture, tourism, and or community development. And, this report says, to implement this objective, the ban will partner with community organizations where it is apparent and necessary to do so. 
maybe those community organizations are thinking of are the community bands. That might be one good thing to come out of this weak strategic plan if it leads to a relationship between Halibu and the community bands. And finally, some exciting news from us here at Mi'kmaq Matters. For the next few weeks, we'll have a new member on the Mi'kmaq Matters team. That is Ellen Riopel, who will be an intern with us here. Ellen is uh, just finishing the journalism program at the University of King's College in Halifax. And uh, yours truly was a student at King's Journalism many years ago. And it was uh, a great three years I spent there. So great to have Ellen with us. And you'll be hearing Ellen on the program before too long. She'll be working on a substantial research project that I know you will find interesting and important a topic relevant for all Mi'kmaq First Nations. Stay tuned, and Ellen, welcome. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a review. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest Mi'kmaq News and Views. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Nimaltus.